Thank you, ladies. Well, good morning. We're going to be in John chapter 15, if you would turn there in your Bible with me, please. John chapter 15. We have a special treat today. We get to hear from some missionaries and uh, get to hear from, from them about their heart and the call that God has placed on their heart and, uh, and the struggle they've been involved in and, uh, as far as producing the fruit for the kingdom of God. So uh, I'm excited about that. So my sermon is going to be a sermon et today. We're going to start and, uh, and get done pretty quick and then let them speak and let them kind of work in your heart as well, the words that they had to share from their testimony today. Um, so we're in John chapter 15. I do want to say, way to go, Vacation Bible School was amazing, way to go as far as uh, helping and serving, praying, uh, just, just being there was, was amazing. So it's always a great opportunity. You know, we, we think it's just, oh, it's just how many numbers did we have, how many kids showed up, and it's, it's not always about just how many kids showed up, it's how many lives were touched, how many families, right, were connected, um, how many people we got to talk to about the hope we have in Christ, maybe even make those connections again. People haven't been here for a while, so... Um, I know I certainly did, and I know a lot of people uh, in our church and volunteers that were here, kind of as floaters roaming around, got to make a lot of connections for the kingdom. So it was an amazing, amazing week. Very worth the weary wear that it places on our bodies, right? <laughs> Today I did not want to get out of bed. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is crazy. But it was, it was well, well worth it. So uh, exciting times. Thank you for your service in that. Let's go ahead and pray, and uh, we'll look into our text. Father, you are a great, great God. We are so thankful to be here today, to look into your word, God, to hear from your spirit, God, that you would conform us more and more into the image of your son, Jesus. We thank you for what you're doing in us and through us and among us. We thank you for the fruit that has been produced uh, by this body, this, this church. God, I thank you for Vacation Bible School and the, the fruit produced there as well. God, all the impact that was made in, in the lives of children uh, and, and their families and, and, and us as workers as well. Thank you for the blessing it was to serve, the honor it was, the privilege it was to serve in kingdom work. You accomplished something amazing, and we give you the praise. We ask you to be here today to convince us of truth and challenge us to change, that we be obedient followers, trusting in Jesus. And it's in his good name we pray. Amen. So we're in John chapter 15. It's, it's a little different than uh, my normal sermon setup. I've, I've given you points uh, on your notes that are actually questions to ask yourself and to think about after we have talked about these points, okay? So uh, we're going to read the text, the full text, and then we're going to, to kind of break this down, okay? It says in verse, chapter, chapter 15, verse 1 is where we're going to start. Jesus is talking. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vineyard keeper. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. And he prunes every branch that produces a fruit, so it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I in you. Just as, uh, as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. The one who remains in me, and I in him, produces much fruit, because you can do nothing without me. Amen? We can do nothing without him. So I want to break it down into three little sections. Uh, and, and the first one is this, that there's a call from the vine to the branch. And, and it's a call to abide or remain in. It's not just a call to attach yourself to it. it it's not this thing that says, oh, I'm going to get some duct tape and take this branch and kind of stick it to the tree and try to make it fit. It means that when we abide in, when we remain in Christ, we are connected in such a way that he becomes the source. It's, a, it's connected in a way that we are receiving 
from him what we need to produce fruit. And it's no longer that we do it on our own. We're not just being attached to with tape. We are being grafted on and into Christ Jesus, our Lord. In Christ Jesus, the scripture says that the old is gone and that the new has come. That whatever I was doing before I was grafted into Christ Jesus is gone and obsolete. And what, what is now important is being the new person God has created me to be as I am grafted into Jesus. And see, abiding in Jesus gives us this opportunity to hear from the source. In verse 7, we didn't read it today, but in verse 7, looks down there a little bit. He says, if you remain in me and my words abide in you or remain in you. So there's an importance to us being grafted in, onto, onto Christ and in Christ. He is the source, right? He's the author and the perfecter or source of our faith. He's the one that sustains us. We're grafted into him. He's the one that saves us. It's only by Christ and through his blood that we have life. Apart from him, we can do nothing. Nothing. But then as we are abiding in Christ, as we are grafted into him, our responsibility is to let God's word remain in us. That that would be a continuation of the source of the spirit of God filling up, welling up in us to love and good deeds. That the fruit produced would be would be evident in our lives, and it would be tested by the Scripture, by the Word of God. That we are in Christ, and then there's a, an opportunity and a responsibility you and I have to not only be in Christ, but to remain in the Word of God, and let the Word of God remain in us. By the way, you know, we talk about Scripture memorization, which is really important. Did you know that, that Satan memorizes Scripture? You know, there's a difference between just memorizing Scripture and, and implanting it in us so that when we need it and we don't have a Bible around, it changes who we are. It challenges what we're doing. Helps us become who God has called us to be. When we are in Christ, we are being called to produce a fruit. And not just any fruit. We are being called to produce his fruit. So here's the first question. This is one to challenge yourself with, to think, think through. Are you attached in a way to hear God's call? Are you attached to him in a way to hear God's call? Have you just been coming and duct taping yourself to the tree saying, oh, I'm good? Or have you let Jesus graft you into him in such a way that not only are you, are you redeemed a child of God, saved from your sin because you couldn't accomplish it on your own, but in a way that, that you, you're being, everything about you knows that you're connected to the source of life. And that your, your life, your life is not your own anymore. You died to that way of life. And now there's a whole new life because you're in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. Have you attached yourself in a way to hear God's call? Now God's call is different for all of us. Today we're going to get to hear from some missionaries who have been overseas and who have been even, even locally serving, kind of giving themselves to, to um, temporary full-time service or, or full-time full-time service. Right? And, and we kind of think, well, maybe I can't identify with those people. But listen, the call that God has placed on their life is the same call that he's placed on our lives. But it might be a two different fruit, two different, two different community, two different uh, vocation. But you and I have to be sensitive to hear God's call in our life from wherever we are, wherever God has placed us. After today's missionaries come and talk, it doesn't mean that you have to go be a missionary overseas or, or go full-time in a ministry. Maybe God may, may, God may be calling you to that. And I know that's scary. But that's called abiding in Christ. And it can be scary because we don't have control anymore. All right, the next thing we see is this, that sometimes 
branches struggle to produce fruit. You ever struggle? Yeah, there's times we struggle. And what do we see there? We see that these struggles are opportunities, right? They're not in vain. They are opportunities that God has to prune off the bad, to prune off the disobedient, the doubt, the wrong priorities, maybe the excuses we are making, to prune off the commitment issues and the pride, and to prune off the shame that we're holding on to. You see, God wants to prune those things off, and then he wants to mold us to produce a fruit and, and mold us more into the image of his son Jesus, who is the vine. You see, a branch that's not producing fruit is not looking like the vine it's attached to. And sometimes you and I, when we are not producing a fruit, need to be pruned. You ever wonder why you're going through the struggle you're going through sometimes? Sometimes it's just because this, this world has fallen and we're going to go through a struggle. We're going to have pains. Sometimes God, God is there with the pruning shears trying to, trying to shape us and mold us into the image of God, in the image of Jesus. And we wonder, what, God, why do I have these problems? Why do I, it's, God, this is stunting my growth. No, it's not stunting your growth. You stunted your growth. I'm trying to prune you so you can grow. Now hold still. And isn't that what it is? When we have those struggles, we need to submit and say, God, what are you trying to teach me? How can I develop, as James would say, endurance because of these struggles and trials in my life? What is God trying to prune away and get out of my life? And that's, that's when we look at the question here. What needs to be pruned for the struggle to be won? Or what needs to be pruned for Jesus to have the victory over the struggle? We're all going to face struggles. When, God, when we abide in Christ and start to let his word remain in us, we are going to face trials. We're going to face temptation. We're going to face struggles. It's a real part of life. How we endure those trials and struggles, abiding in Christ and letting him prune away the bad, refining the bad and, and only purifying what's left, that's what will produce a fruit. But remember, he's the vine, and he should have the victory, not you or not me. He has the victory. Finally, the last thing we see here is that God wants to produce a fruit in us like we have never known. God wants to produce a fruit in us like we have never known. It's not, you know, we, we, think, we think that, hey, we're doing good, we look good, we're producing a fruit, which means we're, we're good people. People ge genuinely like us. They, they know that we're, we don't mess up too often. But listen, the person down the street who doesn't know Jesus can do that if they just put their mind to it. You see, we, we like to take that position of I'm doing, I'm doing good enough, and that's our position of pride. And God says, I don't want anything to do with pride. I want you to abide in me, remain in me. You're going to struggle through. I'm going to prune you, and the fruit you produce will not be your own. It will only be by the power of the Holy Spirit. Remaining in Jesus connects us to this life-giving source, right? And he promises a fruit like nothing we could have done ourselves. But then we doubt, don't we? Because Satan comes in and he likes to ask that age-old question. Did God really say that? Did God really say you should quit your job and go into ministry? Did God really say you should take an extra day off a week to spend with your family? Did God really say you should get the kids a babysitter once a week and have a date night with your wife? Did God really say fill in the blank? God really does say those things. God really does challenge us to live outside ourselves 
in a way that we can't, we can't do it on our own. Right? Look at the verse 5 says, I am the vine and you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit. What kind of fruit? Well, because you can do nothing without me. So the fruit that you're producing is not your own. It's the impossible kind of fruit. We must remain in him. We must let his word remain in us and then trust and obey, attempting something so great. Right? Following the call of God. And as we follow the call of God, we attempt something so great that failure is inevitable. Unless God really said, this is what I want you to do. You see, Jesus is going to produce a fruit in us. So the last question is this. What impossible or improbable are you avoiding? What impossible or improbable call are you avoiding? Now today as we hear from our missionaries, I want you to, to mull over those questions as, too, as well. Write down what God is laying on your heart. Be sensitive to what he's doing because we as a people of God are not just to show up on Sunday and go about our business like the rest of the world. We are a branch called and attached into, grafted into Jesus Christ. Apart from him, we can do nothing and he is going to produce a fruit in us like we have never seen before. And listen, the glory will not be on us. The glory will be for God. Amen? All right, so I want to welcome our first missionary uh, she is homegrown here, and she has been in our mini- youth ministry and, and continues to serve there now as a college student. Um, goes to Corbin University, and she is uh, going to come talk about her trip to East Asia. Come on up, Becky Weed. Oh, no. There we go. <laughs> All right. Um, I just want to say thank you first for... Um, letting me come up here and speak, because I, I love missions, and I'm so excited to, to talk about my trip. Um, I had the opportunity to go to East Asia uh, with my school, Corbin University. Um, it was about two and a half weeks, and uh, basically our, our primarily main thing was to build loving and Christ-centered relationships uh, with the locals of the country, and we were specifically working with college students, um, which works well with me, because we're the same age. Um, and it was absolutely amazing. Um, and speaking of calls, the call that I felt towards a trip, um, because I've been inviting in Jesus in my general call of missions, um, God provided me with this trip. Um, and there's lots of other trips to choose from. Um, and I, I, had, I narrowed it down to about four countries. Uh, three of them were in East Asia. Uh, one of them was Russia. And I just love that general area of the country, because it's, um, I feel like there's a lot of lost people there, and, and we know um, from the research that's been done. Um, and so I kept going to the meetings, and I, I just kind of prayed to God for some kind of sign or comfort or something that would lead me to the right trip. Uh, one of the trips was South Korea, and I love Korea. I've always wanted to go to Korea, and and I was asking God, I really want to go here, but is this where you want me to go now? And it turned out that it wasn't. It's not the right time to go to South Korea. And so I kind of walked away from that trip, and then it just narrowed down more and more. And this specific country in East Asia was laid upon my heart, and I just felt a comfort and an urgency, which is a weird combination of feelings. But I, that's how God has been repeatedly showing me his will. Um, so I had this comfort and this urgency for the specific country in East Asia, and I just went for it. 
I just let the others go, and I said, okay, God, this is where you want me to go. I'm trusting you. And I just kept going to the meetings, and it turned out to be, I think, the best choice that I could have chosen. Um, and God showed me that this was the right call that I followed. Um, so, of course, along the way, before, during, and after the trip, God pruned me. And I guess one of the biggest pruning experiences that I had before the trip was getting our visas. Um, that is the longest endeavor that <laughs> you can go through. Um, but it's just paperwork after paperwork after paperwork. And we still had about two months before we were supposed to go. But I really just wanted to get this done. And we thought we had turned everything in. And then they said, oh, you need to send us another thing, another copy of your passport. And, and I just, I felt like it was God testing me and pruning me. And it forced me to trust and endure and know that all of it would be worth it once we got to East Asia. And, and it was right. God produced fruit through that pruning. And, and visa is just the kind of an annoying thing to do, but God taught me a lot through that. Um, and once we got to the country, there was just a lot of pruning fruit, pruning fruit, pruning fruit. And I think one of the biggest things, one of the biggest pruning experiences that I had in the country itself um, was just the spiritual darkness that was in the country. East Asia is just kind of a dark area in the world. And we worked with the underground church and went to house churches and led Bible studies, which are illegal. Um, but I have such a big heart for the underground church and being able to work with them finally was so eye-opening and really scary and a little painful at times. But I definitely saw some fruit. The church is thriving so greatly there. And it taught me a lot of thankfulness and urgency and passion to share God's love. Um, and and it, what we basically did was just build relationships. We didn't stand on a street corner and say, believe in Jesus. Because um, honestly, that's not the best way to go about sharing God's love. It's just to get to know people in their hearts and, and love them. And that's basically what we did. Um, we went to these things called English Corners, which is where people just go and practice speaking English, a lot of the locals. And so that's a perfect way for missionaries and visitors like us to just go and get to know the people. And um, they would just ask simple questions like, what do you like to do? Um, where are you from? And um, what are you doing here? And of course, I couldn't say, well, I'm here for missions, and I want you to know Jesus. Um, <laughs> I had to kind of, I guess, mask my words, but that doesn't mean that I wasn't sharing God's love or mentioning my faith. Um, and that's what I learned a lot, too, was that I, I don't have to share the gospel word for word, or um, I don't have to be ashamed of it either. Like, if I have the opportunity to say, well, I read my Bible, then I will say it. Um, and God works through that. And there were times people asked, well, what do you like to do? And I said, I like to read my Bible. And they said, well, do you believe in God? And I would say, yeah. Um, and sometimes it would go farther, sometimes it wouldn't. But that's a seed being planted in their life, and that's a fruit that through that, like, nervousness, the pruning in me, God produced that fruit. Um, and it was just absolutely amazing seeing um, God work in that. And with the missionary, uh, he would hold Bible studies at his school. He's an English teacher at the college in the country. And he would hold Bible studies every week with his students that he would just invite. And that in itself is a big, big risk. And going there and seeing 
these students so interested in the Bible and Jesus, they've never heard the name Jesus, and they're so interested, and, and that just excites me, like, well, yeah, I'll tell you all you want to know, and, and of course, the missionary is the one who leads the Bible study, but somehow I got into this conversation with this one boy who just asked me about Jesus and forgiveness, and if he always forgives no matter what he does, and I said, yeah, well, let's talk about this more, and we had a good 20-minute discussion, and and it was the last night we were in the country, and I thought, wow, God, this is, I wasn't expecting something like this to happen. And it wasn't super exciting or big, but it's not the big things that, it's not always the big things that God works in. He works in the small things, too, like a small conversation. Um, and what was really cool about this trip was um, God conti will continue these relationships after we've gone. We were there for two and a half weeks, which is a short time, but the beautiful thing was I was able to, I'm able to continue this relationship. We were able to, I'm able to text them if they need to. And this boy that I talked to that last night, I, I have contact with him. And if he has any more questions, he can ask me. Um, exactly. <laughs> um, and God is still working. Like, it's not just, oh, hi and bye. I still have, con I still have conversations with these people today. Um, and, and, of course, the missionaries update me on what they're doing. And, and that... Oh, that's just so encouraging, knowing that it's not just a short-term visit. It's long-term, and I did further the kingdom. Nothing I did was pointless because, and even if I didn't have a continuous relationship with people when I got back, God still worked, and they won't forget our visit there. Um, so in the country, it was, it was very dark, but, and I was being pruned a lot, but there was a lot of fruit as well. Um, and even after we were traveling back, God was still working. Um, traveling in itself is just kind of an annoying thing. <laughs> Ten-hour flight and then another layout, layover for one more flight. Um, and we had delays, and I was worried that we were going to miss our second flight, and I was running and running, and like, oh, are we going to make it? And we made it. The, flight was, the second flight was delayed, and I thought that was a God thing because, I mean, we made it. 15 minutes, uh, like five minutes before it was originally going to leave. Um, and then when we got back into the States, our luggage was lost. Uh, really, we don't lose it when we go to the country where it's more likely to be lost and we lose it in America. Okay. Um, <laughs> but even in that, God was working. And I was so stressed, and I thought, well, I shouldn't be stressed because I just got back from this wonderful trip. I should have peace, you know. Um, but... We got back, and we were talking to the travel agents, and, um, you know, we were trying to find our luggage, and um, one of the ladies asked what country we were going to, and I said, well, East Asia, um, and she said, why are we there? And we said a special trip, because we didn't want to say mission trip, um, and somehow she caught on that it was a mission trip, and she started talking about how her son went to East Asia on missions and did all these great things, and um, her coworker next to her was listening, and was really amazed, like, why, why would you guys go to these countries and risk your lives just to share the word of God or whatever, and, um, and, then, and in that moment, I thought, well, all of this delaying and lost luggage was worth it for this one moment, and we weren't even in the country anymore, but, <laughs> but I had learned this from the pruning in the country and coming back and um, knowing that these stressful situations and these just annoying, petty things God is still working, and you just have to trust his will. Um, 
and so that was just an amazing thing that I really <laughs> wanted to share. Um, yeah, and another thing about this amazing trip was that we were also fruit to the missionaries themselves and the church in East Asia. Um, because why would just four girls from America come and come into a country like this and just, you know, make friends? Um, and that, that's so encouraging to the church there, knowing that we would sacrifice our lives to come there and sacrifice our freedom and our comfort um, just to share God's word. Um, and then the missionaries, it's more encouragement to them, <laughs> knowing that well, we just added a light into this one boy's life, and now they can continue building on that, what we've left. Um, so it was absolutely amazing. Um, and all, all of you who prayed for me and donated financially, thank you. And that, that in itself is producing fruit. I know it's kind of a pruning when you have to give up money, right? <laughs> or your time to pray or um, whatever. But it's, it's fruit to this trip and to the locals in East Asia as well. Um, so thank you, guys. Thank you, Becky. All right, that was awesome. Next up, we have uh, Harrison Westbrook. And uh, he is from InterVarsity here in, uh, in uh, College of the Siskiyous um, and serving on campus there, reaching out to students through, uh, through sports and athletics and just connections. So Harrison, come on up and share what you, uh, what you do. Hi, can everyone hear me? <laughs> nice, need a second to prep. Uh, my name is Harrison Westbrook and I'm on staff with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship uh, at College of the Siskiyous. If you don't know who InterVarsity is, we're a national organization that builds Christian fellowships on college, community colleges and college universities across the country. So giving college students a regular opportunity to engage their faith where most people believe and I would say the stereotypes are fairly true, uh, that college can be a very difficult, if not impossible, place for your faith to flourish. Um, so I've been leading the ministry there for about three years now, and I wanted to share a little bit more about my experience of how I got up here to Siskiyou County, since I'm not a local, uh, as well as what the Lord has been teaching me in these past three years. So three years ago, I was uh, still leading InterVarsity at a community college in Sacramento at Sierra College. And I got word that there was an opportunity to plant and start a ministry here at College of the Siskiyous. So I made a trip up here, um, and I was amazed. I was amazed to see the openness uh, to the gospel at College of the Siskiyous. Through the coaches I was meeting with, through students in the dorms, that there were people who had a desire to want to know about the Lord, um, but didn't feel like there was a real opportunity for them, uh, which was surprising. Uh, I've never really had these type of conversations as quickly as I have at a college campus. Uh, even at Sierra College, I felt a lot more resistance to the gospel, uh, and I wasn't feeling that at College of the Siskiyous. Um, but, and as we were talking about calling, right, I, I was nervous. I was, I was afraid about moving up here. My mom uh, was just 
just recovered from cancer. She had breast cancer. She was just in remission for about a year at that point in time. Uh, I was living in Sacramento with, with the entirety of my family. My all immediate family lives in Sacramento. So I knew that would be moving away from home. Uh, my girlfriend, now wife, I was in San Francisco at the time in school. We were already dating long distance. Uh, do I really want to make that even further of a trip? Um, and then on top of that, I am a city boy through and through. Uh, I don't think I've ever even touched the snow before I went to College of the Siskiyous. Uh, it, was, it was a foreign thing. I'd much rather go watch a movie than hike a mountain or anything of that nature. I've never shot a gun. I mean, that, it was just, it was a very culturally, very different experience. I still have never shot a gun, by the way. Uh, <laughs> uh, time is coming, amen. Uh, but I remember in my time of prayer, the Lord said to me, do you trust that I have something good for you even though you don't see it? Even though you see all these kind of barriers and obstacles, do you trust that I have something good for you there? And I've held on to that word over these years, um, through all three of these years. That has been something that the Lord has continued to press upon me, that there is something good for me here in Siskiyou County that I was unaware of, that I was almost unprepared for. Uh, and I'll be sharing a little bit more as we go into that. Um, so I made a three-year commitment to College of the Siskiyous. This is my third year. And as I was praying more into it, that, that calling continued to come up. Uh, I had this image as I was praying of a house being built, but it wasn't finished yet. And I was like, well, God, I've, there's, there's foundations being built, there's structures being put up, are you asking me to walk away from it? And I just felt like, no, God is asking me to be a part of building this house at College of the Siskiyous, and I'm not gonna leave until I feel like the house is built, a place where the Lord can worship. Not a physical building, <laughs> of course, uh, but a spiritual one in itself. Uh, so talking about the conversation of pruning, uh, in these three years, uh, I felt like the Lord has pruned me in two very specific ways, uh, in, <laughs> in very harsh ways, I would like to think. Um, the first one is just about my personal image and how others view me. Uh, it was very hard to go to a campus uh, where being Christian is not necessarily the coolest thing ever, um, and having some image of I want people who have been burned by the church to feel cared for and loved and appreciated, uh, but can I do that with sharing truth and hope uh, that seems contrary to their lifestyle? Uh, as well in that, uh, I remember I, I serve as an unofficial chaplain in the athletics department, so I go to teams practices once a week to pray for the teams, for those who wanna participate in prayer. Uh, as well as go to home games and pray for teams as well and be a support system. And I remember it was my time to go to the softball team and I was like, ah, I do not wanna go to the softball team because I know that the entirety of the team is hardcore partiers. They, they party all the time. And I was just like, Lord, how am I gonna be viewed when I go up to these women and say, hey, do you wanna pray with me knowing that they're getting drunk the night before and the night after? So I delayed it. I, I remember I was like, I'll go next week. I'll go next week. I'll go next week. And I feel like the Lord was saying, no, this is why you're here. You are a light to this campus and you're a light to these women. So I was like, okay, suck it up. I went there and turns out the entire pr team prayed with me that day. 
entire team prayed with me that day. Also, <laughs> praise God, praise God. And in that, in that first year, they did an honoring for the female coach who was at COS, started the softball team many, many years ago. And they asked me to do an open prayer time uh, before the game started. So it was just like, there's this, there's fruit in that. But it, it required me to get through my own self-image issues. Uh, along with that, I felt isolated. Uh, when it came to InterVarsity staff, the closest group of InterVarsity was at Chico State, so multiple hours away. This was the first time I've ever solo staffed to campus. When I was at Sierra, I had a, a co-staff, a, a co-worker with me, uh, as well as in this plant team, I had no friends. My wife, or girlfriend, now wife, was five hours away. Uh, it was immensely isolating being in Siskiyou County that first year, even that second year. And I remember a lot of lies from the enemy saying, you don't really belong here, you are not a country boy. <laughs> uh, and the Lord really pruned me in those moments of like, how do you seek after me when things are uncomfortable? How do you pr press into me when students don't respond well to you or when you make mistakes or whatever? And it was in those moments that I really felt like my, my faith deepened. I, I felt myself wanting to engage with scripture more and wanting to pray deeper prayers. Um, it was in those places that I look back now and like my faith has forever been changed because I was able to let the Lord deal with my junk. And that was a special thing. And with that, as we get pruned, I mean, part of planting in general, uh, you have to prune because it's better for the plant. If you don't prune plants, uh, they often hurt themselves in the process and they don't bear as much fruit. And I feel like that's really been the case for College of the Siskiyous. Over these past three years, we've had 34 people make commitments of faith. Uh, so 34 people have made, yes, amen, amen. We've seen people give their lives to the Lord in powerful ways. And the one, two, three years that they've been at College of the Siskiyous, and they're continuing to engage their faith as they transfer. I still am talking with students who are at four-year universities that they're engaging their faith through the local churches there, through other organizations, um, and on a personal level. We have currently three Bible studies on campus and have regularly 40 people attending. That is, that is noteworthy to acknowledge, right? That is, that is praiseworthy. What's even more special for this is those three Bible studies are all being led by students. So it's students who are taking their influence over their peers, saying, God has called me to this campus to be a light as well. And this isn't just Harrison's ministry. This is the Lord's ministry. Last, last but not least, I would say that uh, this big fruit that's being born is the influence that we have on the campus. We are by far the biggest club on campus. We serve as a, like a, we function as a club, just like any other club. Uh, so we are by far the biggest club on campus. We are by far the most active club on campus. Uh, when I first got there, I held like a welcome day barbecue and the leader of student affairs was like, we haven't done this in like four years. Can you do it next year and we'll pay you to do it? Right, talk about a home stage 
at InterVarsity, the Christian Fellowship on campus gets to host the Welcome Back Barbecue. Amen. Amen. There was a time when uh, a student athlete, I, I engage a lot with the athletes on campus, uh, a student's father committed suicide, um, and the coaches didn't know what to do. So they called me and asked if I could pray and check in with that student. That's influence, right? When stuff goes down, that, and they, they ask you, that, that's the Lord doing something on the campus. Even when the fire, the bulls fire happened in weed, uh, I was able to be a resource to the students there. Uh, <laughs> it looked like I, <laughs> it looked like I stole uh, while I was during the Bulls fire. All the students, I had this giant minivan, and all the students were like, "Hey, can I store my stuff in your car?" Because it was literally like, "I, this is all I have, and if it gets burned down, then I have nothing left." And I was like, "Okay," but I ended up at one point in time, my, my minivan, I had like six flat screen TVs. Four, like, video game consoles, like, two dozen pairs of Jordans. It was like, it just looked like I ransacked the place. Uh, <laughs> I was like, I really hope I don't get pulled over at any point in time. <laughs> um, but again, that, that's, the, that's the influence that's beginning to happen. And same with the students. Um, students are having influence in the dorms as they're leading events on campus. That we are, we are seen as an organization that's doing something good for College of the Siskiyou's even though they may not agree with us on the theological level. So I just want to say again, I'm thankful uh, for those, for this church, for the ways that you guys have been praying, for the ways that you have given for me to be on campus. Uh, that's the only way I'm able to be there is through the support of the local churches. Um, I know that the fruit has been born is not just because of my decisions, but because of the years that you guys have prayed and engaged this campus. Uh, and I really do believe that as you guys continue to pray, we'll continue to see more fruit. So thank you so much. Thank you, Harrison. All right. We have is another one of those folks that have been in our church for uh, a lot of long time, several years, and then what three years ago? Two years ago? Two years ago, uh, Amy and her mom had moved up to the Ashland area, and they had joined a fellowship, so she's had the opportunity to go overseas, and she's going to get to share about that today. So welcome, Amy. Hi, guys. It's so good to see you. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, um, like you said, I moved up to Ashland a couple of years ago and um, had the opportunity to go to Malawi, Africa for eight months, and so I left last August and got back this April, um, and it was fabulous. So I'm not going to talk a whole lot um, about what we did there. Um, I went with a girl from my church up in Ashland, and she, um, this was her, like, moving there trip. Like, she's gone over the years for a month, two months, three months, knowing in the future that that, that is where God was leading her. And um, this was the time that she was making her move. So um, I got to go just to assist her and um, just help set up base camp, basically. Um, I love, um, Brandon told us that he was going to be teaching on John 15, and um, it's so, it's so perfect. I love it. <laughs> just thinking about um, the call, and just, like, just tell the people how you knew it was the Lord. And um, It's so John 15. It's just in the context of relationship, 
And um, at the time, um, I was just a receptionist for some eye doctors, and but I was still living in Oregon, so I'm commuting, and it's not working anymore. And <laughs> so I'm just having, you know, I'm commuting, and I'm having these conversations just day in and day out with the Lord. And um, I, I have no idea what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't know who I am, what, you know. So, but the Lord is starting to kind of minister to me and just kind of just show me things. And, um, and it was actually in one of those drives to work where I really felt like the Lord um, spoke to me about, because I was praying, I didn't know Wendy at all, um, but we had, uh, we were taking a trip to Eugene together upcoming. So I just was thinking about that. And it was just kind of in that conversation with the Lord that um, I felt like the Lord was saying, go with her. And um, so um, I ended up, um, and I was, I was a little bit reluctant, but um, so I go on this trip with her and, um, in the context of our day together, the first time we'd ever hung out, she's, I'm telling her about where I am in life, and I'm transitioning, and so, well, why don't you come to Africa with me for a few months, <laughs> and so, like, uh, let me pray about it, no, <laughs> um, I did actually say that, but, um, but it's just been neat, and I've had times in my life where I feel like the Lord has asked me to do things that I didn't necessarily want to do, um, that didn't make sense to me, or that I just plain didn't want to do, a little bit Jonah-esque, <laughs> and um, but this was a time where I felt like there were desires in my heart. The Lord was speaking about things, um, long things that have been in my heart for decades. Um, and they all kind of came together. And I feel like at this point in my life, that's kind of what the Lord is doing. It's in that context of relationship with him. And then the external opportunities come your way. And you go, oh, I think this is what the Lord has. And um, so it's just learning to say yes when those opportunities come. Um, as far as like the struggles and the pruning, um, really a lot, I wish I had like cool African <laughs> stories, but for me, they're really similar to what they are here. Um, the same ones you and that we both go through, um, primarily, uh, I think of circumstances and just challenging, like, I don't have a clue what to do on this one. <laughs> and, um, one of the projects was building a church and, that was um, particularly for Wendy because that was she was really kind of overseeing and heading that up. But just doing that in another country where you don't speak the language and you don't know how it works and they think about as different as you could possibly think that somebody could think. <laughs> and um, so it definitely was challenging and um, also just interpersonally and just in relationships. I find that that's just an area that the Lord is always working in my life. Just whether it's a spouse or a sibling or a friend or a coworker or somebody you go to church with, maybe you just don't see eye to eye with. And are you still going to love them? Are you still going to serve them like God wants you to? And um, it's humbling, and that's how the Lord worked in a lot of ways in my life in Africa. Um, in terms of the fruit, um, I did want to tell um, one little story because it has to do with y'all. Um, and that is maybe, I know some of you guys probably know that the missions board um, had sent over um, like $250 to purchase Bibles in Malawi, um, which is a big deal over there because um, I think every church we went to, on average, two Bibles per congregation. And um, just because of poverty, because of illiteracy, because they're just more of an oral people, um, Bibles are a really big deal. And um, so we were able to purchase, I think, 30-some Bibles. Thank you to you guys. 
and um, the people, I mean, you would have thought you would have given them a million bucks. So we ended up just giving them, um, Wendy's connected with about 15 different village bush churches. And so we just gave them to the pastors and said, you choose who you, who you feel it's appropriate to give these to. And, um, but they were, they came long, long distances to get these two Bibles for their church. <laughs> and um, in one of the villages we actually went to, um, there was a chief who really wanted to come to church, but he's older. I mean, he had to be in his 70s at least. Um, very sick. And uh, <laughs> I'm probably more like 80s or 90s. Um, <laughs> I'm sure of it, actually. <laughs> um, so, um, so he was very ill. He says, just if they could just come and pray for me. And so um, a group of us went over there, and we just, and we just prayed for him. And um, he, I mean, I really just thought, this man's on his deathbed, and um, I, can't, I can't speak for the other people in the group. I can't say on my part that it was a prayer of faith by any means. Um, I just thought, we're just obeying the Lord. The Lord says to pray for the sick. <laughs> so, um, and so we gave, and we gave him a Bible, and he was thrilled. He was so thankful for it. He could hardly hold it up. But um, So anyway, we left, went on our way. Um, a few weeks later, um, we get word from this village that this man has been healed, and he is up and walking, and the people know it's the Lord, and um, <laughs> they are praising God because they know God did it, and um, so, um, so that was awesome, and, and but there again, it's just, it's like Rebecca was saying, it's not always the big things, it's just praying for someone just because God tells us to pray for the sick, and he does, he does the heavy lifting, you know, and just sometimes it's just obeying. Um, um, a lot of um, the fruit, like in Malawi, I feel, in my head, I, I feel like it's future fruit um, because of the nature of my time there. I was just setting up base camp, and um, Wendy has kind of inherited this five acres of land that her family had like 40 years ago, and um, so it's a lot of it was developing that land, and um, when we got there, we went to this little nursery out in this village, and we just bought a bunch of trees about this big, um, just guava, papaya, avocado, bananas, and so we were planting them on the land, and um, Wendy won't eat the fruit of those for a couple years, and um, sometimes that's just how it is. You've just got to start somewhere, and um, so I anticipate I anticipate grapefruit in Malawi in the future. Wendy's back there now. She's living there on her own. Uh, she's the only white girl in a long, <laughs> a long circle. <laughs> um, but she is there, and the church is built. And I, I just anticipate God doing good things, and I look forward to hearing stories of trainings and conferences, maybe a school. Who knows what's going to happen in that church building, but um, I know God's got good plans over there. Um, and then lastly, just... Um, later on in that passage in John 15, um, Jesus says, I say these things to you that my joy would remain and that your joy would be full. And that is one of the things I feel so blessed that I got to spend eight months there. And to me, I stand here today overflowing with joy as I think about my time there. And I'm not going to say that every day I woke up feeling that way, but I have lived my little 40 years, and I have said no to the Lord far more than I care to admit, and saying yes to the Lord, there is joy, joy than more than we can contain, and I think that is one of the fruits of just abiding with the Lord and following him, and so I encourage you to say yes, whatever it is God's calling you to do, little, big, 
whatever it is, say yes, there's joy waiting. Awesome. Thank you very much. So I know Sunday school's coming up. We got one more, not a full share, but you know what, what happens is, is these stories start, if I might, as a butt in a seat. Okay, a butt in a pew. It's you and I. Uh, these are people that are normal people like you and I. And, and God is calling us to abide in him, right, to struggle through the things we need to struggle through that he might prune us and then to produce a fruit that without him, we couldn't have produced. So we have one more to share. Uh, Elizabeth Bradley, if you come, come on up. Elizabeth uh, hasn't gone on a trip, uh, but she's been very faithful to serve in our church. Uh, God is molding her. She works uh, in the office during the week as an intern. Uh, she, she serves on the, on the praise team. You've, you've heard her voice. She's amazing, right? And, uh, and now God is calling her to something else. So what we're going to hear just briefly is her call to where she's going. And then what we're going to do as a church is, is close the service in prayer for her and for all of us in our call. Okay? There you go. Right here. Let's do it right here. Okay. So this Friday, I'm going to go to Reno, Nevada and serve with a group of four other kids my age. And we're going to put on vacation Bible schools in Northern California, Nevada area with a summer missions team. And we're going to just help churches out, um, doing things for their youth. And then at the end of the summer, we're going to plan a missions camp for children and run that and direct it and everything. And so I was asked to do that when we went to our Love Does mission trip um, for the spring break, I was asked by Jay and Nikki Ballard to join them. And I, I had heard about their um, summer missions team the year before because I, uh, I went to Reno last year too. And, um, you know, I felt like, oh, that's such a cool thing. I really feel like, you know, that'd be fun to do. I could help with kids and do all that. Um, but I think I was, I was really good that I waited to do it this year and not last year because I got to work in the summer at the church last summer. I got to help Chase out, and I got to learn about how to run things and how to just communicate and work with other people. And um, so I really feel more prepared this year to do it, and I'm just so glad that I get to because I had been praying for a long time for God to use me in a place where I can work on leadership skills and work on just doing things out of my comfort zone, things that I haven't done before, things where, you know, it's not it's not me and just me being part of, my family, part of whatever. It's me being part of God's work, me being part of what he wants to do. So I'm really excited to go. And ready. There you go. So what we're going to do, uh, you know, it, that's, that's true. And Biz had, a, had this desire beforehand, and then she goes over, and Jay and Nikki kind of confirm that, right? God uses them. Say, hey, you should consider doing this. Oh, I already am kind of considering that. So, so she's going now, and we're going we're gonna to pray for her as a church. If you would stand with me, and let's, let's come on over here, Biz, and uh, if you can come out of the aisle, if you're around her, put a hand on her, and uh, we'll pray over Elizabeth. If, you'd, if you're where you're at, that's fine. Come on up forward a little more. There you go. And we'll join together and close our service. This is our invitation time. This is our time to be invited to pray and to, uh, to support her, but also thinking through your call as well. What is God confirming or calling on your heart right now too? Let's pray together. Father, we are so, so grateful for you that you are the source, the author, the perfecter of our faith. God, that, that, that apart from you, we can do absolutely nothing. And that is that we are now your church. Not ours, we are yours. God, as Elizabeth uh, has confirmed a call in her heart to go to Reno this summer and to serve as a summer missionary uh, with faith ministry, God, I pray that you would just continue to, to make that call passionate. God, that she would be excited about that. And as, as we've heard previously, God, that there'd be a comfort in that, but there'd be an urgency to her call. God, that she would want to share and to teach and to love uh, as best that she knows how. 
And God, as she goes through those times of struggle and trials and, and discouragement, God, that you would be right there uh, fighting off the enemy. God, that she would be going to your word and to prayer and to, and to counsel. God, that she might abide in you more, that you might prune those things away. God, that she could produce even more fruit. And God, the fruit that she produces would not be her own. The fruit that she produces will be yours for the glory of God. We thank you for that. And we, God, we ask that you would continue to work in all of us. God, work out the call that you're laying on our heart individually, wherever it might be, whatever it might be to do, that you would, you would call us to something that we could not do apart from you, that we would trust and obey for the glory of God. And it's in Jesus' great name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, you guys. You are dismissed.